In an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Hey Ghoulsters, welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-hosts. On this show, we found ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it too. If you've always loved spooky things, whether it's Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky family. Today we'll be grave digging into something a little different than you're used to from me. We're talking love, sex, and blood, baby. I apologize in advance if I'm super awkward about it because I think I'll be sharing a whole new side of me with this one, but that is the point. We are here to grow, right? So today we're talking about Jennifer's body and the true crime story that may have possibly inspired it. Today I'm going to change things up a little bit and add a segment I'm reviving from the original podcast. Haunted Housekeeping. Okay, guys, I can't believe how much housekeeping is already in order just a few episodes in. First, I want to say thank you so much for the love and support you have shown this podcast so far. Never in my wildest dreams did I think you all were going to help me monetize this show within its first two weeks of premiering. Wow. I have loved every second of producing this show, and I'm genuinely so happy to know that I was right, that there's still a space left for me in your little spooky podcast world. So speaking of monetization, I did want to take a moment to break down how you can support the show. You may have heard me mention you can subscribe to the show for $4.99, but this has been a learning curve for me, and now I know all the details. So for $4.99, you can unlock access to bonus episodes and you get to keep the ad-free experience. For the easiest user experience, I recommend making sure you have a Spotify account set up and logged in when you subscribe to the show because once you subscribe, it'll give you the option to easily open Spotify. There are already at least two bonus episodes for you to unlock, one where I break down more of what you can expect from the bonus content and a new one featuring Master of Scaramonies. One of Rudy's many talents is finding older movies that have a fighting chance against my millennial attention span. So we saw a grindhouse classic called Pieces, and you can hear me and Master Fangul over that. Wait, should it be Fangul if Master is involved? I don't know. I feel like that's a special term for us ghouls, you know, so I think I'm going to fall back to our original tagline for him. Maybe I'll say you can hear us fall in love at first fright to Pieces. Ooh, I think I like how that sounded, guys. Okay, so yes, your support of this show already means the world to me. And for just $4.99, you can unlock extra episodes and gain access to our exclusive channel on Discord. I also decided to leave our Kofi open in case you don't want to commit to the monthly subscription, but want to tip your favorite ghost hostess and master of ceremonies, because I think Master has done an amazing job with the production of this show, if I do say so myself. All right, so before we jump into Jennifer's Body Bloodfest, the Jennifer's Body Bloodfest, ooh, that was hard with the blood's body blood, ooh. <laughs> All right, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. So today's episode is bloody, so Avs, I wanted a red drink. 
I stopped by Dutch Bros on my way home today and I got an iced green tea with strawberry and lime. And oh my gosh, I don't know why I haven't ordered this sooner, honestly. It is so refreshing and tasty and horrific. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trust me, guys, I can't wait until September hits because I'll be drinking all the hot fall drinks my heart truly desires. And a ghoul, a ghoul, do I have like the most fantastic spooky episodes planned for you guys so i just cannot wait to start working on those episodes and bring you guys all the spooky ghoul fall vibes because i know it's just gonna magically come together all right so i figured since we're talking about demons and possessions i should share a spooky story to set the mood so for those of you who don't know me and master of scaremonies as well earlier in our relationship he used to love to scare me like i mean full-on hide all the time and make me search the entire apartment in fear. It got to a point where I told him that if he didn't stop, I was going to leave him because I just couldn't live my life that way anymore. I always knew when it was happening too, because all of a sudden he would get quiet and stop talking. So anytime it was quiet, my trick to figure out if he was about to do it would just be like, hey boo, you know, casually and genuinely as if I had a question or needed his manly help off the top shelf that I couldn't reach. I'd do this so I could hear what area of the apartment he was in. So needless to say, he hasn't done it in years. So now when something spooky happens, I freak myself out even more because I know that it's not him. So the logical thing has been ruled out. <laughs> so the other day we were going to bed and we had just finished watching the first episode of Stranger Things season four. Yes, the very first one where we were all shocked, where Chrissy all of a sudden levitates and her bones crack like, yeah, that's the episode we had just seen. And I heard this really weird scratching noise. And I was like, what was that? And Rudy said, I didn't hear anything. So I just played it off. And then I heard it again. And I was like, no, what was that? And he's like, I was falling asleep. I don't know. It was probably Lolo because our little dog just she's so dumb. Sometimes she does this little growl if she wants to get on the bed. And so that's what he's figured it was. Then I heard it a third time and I just stayed quiet. And then I felt Lolo moving in the bed. And that's when I freaked out because if she was on the bed, what was making that sound? So I was like, boo. And Rudy goes, did we scare you? That's kind of what we do around here. And we both started laughing so hard because if you don't get the joke, way early in our podcast and early YouTube days, I used to say, boo, did we scare you? That's kind of what we do around here. So there you have it. Mandy got spooked by Master of Scaremonies. So yeah, apparently he was like, I guess, scratching the bed, like the what's it called the base of the bed to make that sc scratching scary noise and I had never heard it before so obviously I freaked out but to be honest I wasn't even mad because I kind of needed a good little scare like that you know to get us in the mood for spooky season Rudy if you're listening that does not mean that you have permission to keep scaring me it was a one-time only deal <laughs> All right. Anyway, if you want to keep up with how we're keeping the spook alive every day, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube at The Ghoulmates. And I have been adding a little extra love and magic to the show's Instagram as well at Not Another Spooky Podcast. 
All right. So for those of you who know me, you know, I have always struggled with true crime because I don't think it should be glorified. But I also think there's a lot to learn from it sometimes. So take this as your disclaimer that there are going to be themes of sexual assault, murder and ritual sacrifice for just a few minutes. If you're not comfortable with these subjects, please skip forward about three minutes. All right, so bear with me because these are not easy topics to talk about, and I don't know how some people do it so flawlessly, but I particularly found this interesting because I always think it's important and interesting to see if a true story inspires a film and how the film takes from it. And so I actually feel like this film in particular, in a way, honors the victim, and I'm so truly sorry if that offends anyone, but I hope it makes sense in the end. So... Back in July of 1995, three teenage boys invited a 15-year-old girl named Elise Poller to smoke weed in a nearby eucalyptus grove in Arroyo Grande, California. Once Elise was high, the boys strangled her and stabbed her multiple times. The worst, absolutely disgusting part is that they then raped her after she bled to death. And after that, they still returned more than once to sexually assault her body again. Please tell me you guys feel as uncomfortable hearing this as I feel talking about it. Okay, so these heartless boys with no shame went on to openly tell people at school that they had committed murder and necrophilia, but nobody believed them. And the reason why so many people believe this story is what inspired Jennifer's body is that it said these boys planned the murder in advance and it was intended to be a ritual sacrifice to get enough power from the devil for their death metal band to become famous. The body discovered the body wasn't discovered until eight months later when the autopsy confirmed she didn't die from the 12 stabs, but from the loss of blood from the wounds. I'm unsure of the timeline, but it is said that it wasn't until one of the boys later converted to Christianity and confessed that the case actually broke. It was then that the bandmates professed their love for the metal band Slayer. And what really pisses me off is that, again, society was more willing to believe that it was the spooky band's fault when it was really the teenage boys who did this. So Elise's parents actually filed a lawsuit against the band claiming their songs had given the boys the instructions to torture, rape and murder their daughter. Thankfully, the judge threw out the case. But the reason why the bandmates targeted Elise specifically are still a mystery. One of them claimed it was because she was a blonde, blue-eyed virgin that would be the ultimate sacrifice for the devil. Ugh, eye roll. And another said one of the boys was specifically obsessed with her and killing her. I guess the reason why true crime fascinates so many is because you never truly understand how or why people do such horrible things. It might be a stretch or horrible, but I actually feel like this movie takes back the story of victims like Elise and gives them the ending they deserved to get their vengeance on these jerks who rape and or murder them. All right, so Jennifer's body, onto much more fun things, hopefully. Uh, Jennifer's body was released on September 18th, 2009. It was directed by Karen Kusama and written by Diablo Cody. Of course, we know the main star is Megan Fox as Jennifer Check. Then we have Amanda Seyfried for Needy's role and Adam Brody. Oh, guys, I kept trying to think of like a clever way to introduce him because, you know, 
were brooding over him. I don't know. I still can't get one. Let me know if you have a better way to introduce him. Uh, Adam Brody played Nikolaya Wolf and Johnny Simmons played Chip Dove. So a couple quick interesting notes about the casting. Originally, Jennifer was supposed to be played by Blake Lively, but there were scheduling conflicts because of XOXO Gossip Girl. (laughs) And Emma Stone was in talks to play Needy. And I'm really glad that things worked out the way they did because I genuinely feel Megan was made for this role. And we're going to get into why later. And I also can't picture Emma Stone playing the nerdy shy girl the way that Amanda did. And Amanda was just, like, known for being, like, the good girl in Hollywood, you know? She was getting, like, all the serious roles after Mean Girls, of of course. I don't know, I just felt like she was just... To me, the perception was that she was just this good girl. Not, like, a goody-goody girl, but just America's sweetheart, almost, you know? Also, the filmmakers were considering a real rock star for Adam's part. Some considerations were Pete Wenz or Joel Madden. But again, I'm also very glad they went with Adam Brody. And more on that later. So this movie had a whomping, and I mean whomping as in womp, 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 (laughs) a very whomping Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 35%. (sighs) Sigh. All right. We're going to get into all of like my theories of why this happened. But first, let's go through a summary from IMDb. So it reads, nerdy, reserved, bookworm, needy Lesnicki, and arrogant, conceited cheerleader Jennifer Check are best friends, though they share little in common. They share even less in common when Jennifer mysteriously gains an appetite for human blood after a disastrous fire at a local bar. As Needy's male classmates are steadily killed in gruesome attacks, the young girl must uncover the truth behind her friend's transformation and find a way to stop the bloodthirsty rampage before it reaches her own boyfriend, Chip. (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to get into character, but I think I want to take it a step further. Every week, we're going to get even more into those summaries, I promise. All right, so some interesting facts were... This was one of my favorites, and I think I'm going to draw inspiration from it moving forward. So the scene where Jennifer is throwing up that like black vomit. Guess what it was, guys? It was Hershey's chocolate syrup. How fun does that sound? Like, usually I always think they must be like using gross stuff to that looks that way. So it must not like be very fun to smell or taste. But imagine you're like in the middle of filming and you're like, Mmm, tastes like chocolate. (laughs) So that scene was using Hershey's chocolate syrup combined with some CGI. Let's see, what else? The movie's title is from the song Jennifer's Body by Courtney Love's band Hole. And for a little bonus learning session, I was curious to see if the movie was based on any demon in particular. And it looks like in the movie when Needy is researching what could be wrong with Jennifer, she finds out she could be a succubus. So according to my super reliable source, Wikipedia, have you heard of it? (laughs) A succubus is a demon or supernatural entity in folklore in female form that appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. According to religious traditions, repeated sexual activity with a succubus can cause poor physical or mental health, even death. In modern representations, a succubus is often depicted as a beautiful seductress or enchantress <laughs> rather than as demonic or frightening the male counterpart to the succubus is the incubus so that definitely gives a stellar new meaning to the band incubus for me 
All right, I'm going to stop with all of the dumb, corny jokes. I'm sorry. Okay, so I know in the past I have said I like to share my experience with a movie or topic we're discussing so you know where I'm coming from. But I think I also want to add that, look, I'm not a professional film critic and I actually usually don't agree with film critics most of the time because I think it's important to base your thoughts on the movie on like what the movie is meant to be. You know, like this movie is clearly not meant to be a super serious horror film with no plot holes that change the world. Is it a guilty pleasure? Yes. Is it sexy? Double yes. And that's exactly how we're going to treat it because we're here to fangool. The truth is I really wouldn't be covering a subject on this show that I didn't enjoy talking about. So I have yet to be inspired to do an episode on something I hate. So yeah, that's where my head is at with most reviews. As far as my history goes, this movie came out my freshman year in college. And I remember when I saw it, I was back home for summer break or something. So full disclosure, I kind of don't remember much about this movie the first time around other than three things. Those three things were one... Adam Brody, because he was so perfectly cast in this role at the time it was made. Even watching the movie now, I was instantly taken back to teenage Mandy Smitten over emo Adam Brody, you know, like the OC days. It just all came flooding right back. (laughs) Two is being shocked by Amanda Seyfried doing such a sexy role, because again, I told you she was like this good girl at the time. And three... The one line I'll never forget is, I'm not even a backdoor virgin. (laughs) But that was old pre-woke Mandy and the new spooky feminist Mandy Spooks loves this film. And while this film is such a sexy, feel-good, guilty pleasure, guys, ghouls, ghoulsters, this is such a women empowerment film and I legit cannot wait to dive into it with you. So let's do it. I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. Getting your commentary for this movie was rough because so many of you absolutely hated the idea of it that you didn't even want to watch it. Thankfully, a few of you came in clutch, but I want to simmer a bit on why I think so many of you skipped this film. I reached out to one of my closest ghoulsters, Jessica. You may know her as at There She Glows Again. And she said, Honestly, never even got through it. I just felt like it was some cheap excuse to sexualize Megan Fox because that's what every movie was using her for at the time, end quote. Because I love the Ghoulster community and how much you all stand for women empowerment like I do, I'm willing to bet you guys all felt this way or absolutely rolled your eyes at how this film was marketed. And if you don't know me, I am a marketing nerd. I dug up the old interweb books and I found out that the director Karen Kusama actually did openly talk about how the studio's all-male marketing department completely misunderstood the point of the movie. Guys, if you were disgusted by the marketing for the film before, wait till you hear this. At one point, that sleazy marketing team wanted Megan Fox to do live chats on amateur porn porn sites to market the film. Kusama had to beg them not to even mention it to Megan because she knew it would crush her spirit. And look, before you come for me, there is nothing wrong with sex and porn and sex work if that's what you personally want and choose for yourself. The problem here is that these men were once again trying to exploit Megan Fox's sexuality to market a film that was literally about how Jennifer is sexualized. Oh, geez. I'm already getting heated and you guys, we're just getting started. Okay, so I'm sure we could have a long conversation as well about Megan Fox's career choices and her behavior. But let's put that aside and actually think about this for a second. 
it's gonna sound like I'm just here with a political agenda for a second but I promise it'll have a point to the movie and come full circle I don't believe that Megan Fox really knows where the quotation sex lines should be drawn at this point her entire career, she has been told that her only value is her sexual sex appeal. Wow, guys, I'm totally stumbling on my words today. I apologize. <laughs> okay, so look. Look at what we've learned from Britney's story. If you didn't see the documentary about Britney's conservatorship, the media tears these women apart day by day, asking questions about their sex lives, their bodies, degrading them, making these comments, and then they turn around and scrutinize them when they start to own that sexy brand that they've been told to for so long. Before we start to criticize Megan Fox and her decisions, let's also stop and think about how the media has affected her as well. And that is why I think she was a perfect fit for this role. She completely embodied okay i know i'm sorry i said i was gonna stop it was i just couldn't resist that one okay so jennifer she embodied jennifer because she knew how it felt to be sexualized and i'm sure she wished she could become a man-eating cheerleader in fact megan loved this role in the past she has said i think that it took someone who was like genuinely demented at the time to play a demon-possessed man-eating teenager and I was just at a point in my life and mentally where I could fully embody that and be okay doing it it wasn't really an acting exercise per se it was just leaning into the darkest part of my own shadow that last part makes me so sad like leaning into the darkest part of her own shadow can you imagine what she was going through as a teenager back then okay Moving on, positive thoughts. <laughs> and Megan wasn't the only one who loved working on this film. Both she and Amanda have openly discussed that they felt a legitimate attraction towards each other and enjoyed the kissing and flirting scenes. According to IMDb, Amanda said, Jennifer's Body is my favorite movie that I've done. It was overlooked in theaters, but it does have a DVD following. I can't believe nobody wanted to see Megan Fox and me hitting it. <laughs> they had an extreme close-up of our tongues. And I'm telling you, the thing about the scene is that it's actually really sexy. I think Megan and I kissed really well together. We have similar kissing styles and it worked. We got it done for the masses. Let's simmer on that for a second, guys. It's so nice to see two women openly talking about how much fun these roles were for them because I'm willing to bet that it was freeing in a way for them to openly be able to possibly explore something they hadn't had a chance to before. I mean, who knows? Maybe they hadn't or maybe they had. And also, it's just clear that there was something special about them being able to make this film. And I'm sure part of it, too, was just being like, on set doing these intimate things like with another woman versus like another man probably was just a whole new experience but I love that to this day both women still have nothing but positive thoughts about it in fact Megan Fox has openly said she'd love to do a sequel or tv series spinoff if I'm being honest deciding to cover this movie is freeing for me in a way as well because I've always shied away from sharing my more intimate side with you guys to put it lightly and I think that's the beauty of this film. And those of you who have seen it, you love it because you agree with this. You guys love the queerness of it all because you don't get to experience it often. And hey, let's be honest. Megan Fox is a total babe. The dark hair, the piercing eyes. Somebody cast this girl in an evil witch role as well. Okay, I'm starting to regress. So if you don't believe me, let's hear what some of the ghoulsters had to say. Sabrina, a.k.a. 
Selena Perez, I think that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> said, the humor, the queer undertones, Megan Fox, fire emoji, end quote. Oh, girl, I forgot about the humor. Okay, I also love that this film didn't take itself seriously. I mean, as a horror comedy, it does a great job of being bloody and crazy and also funny, like when they're mentioning Maroon 5 as the aspirations for the band. Like, it was just funny because that's not who you associate with, like, love, sex, and rock and roll, baby, you know? And that's what they were, like, trying to accomplish with their careers. Uh, anyway, Toil and Trouble said, guilty pleasure at its finest. I love how gay this movie is, end quote. Are we starting to see a theme here, guys? I love that no matter what sexual orientation you are, most women can agree that they love the queer vibes in this film. So if you're still listening and you haven't seen the film, you're probably thinking, Mandy, spill the tea already. How is this a women empowerment film? So Goolster at Valen Kleins said, I love that it's a girl terrorizing people for a change. You guys, that says it all for a change. That is why this is a women empowerment film, because Megan Fox basically gets turned into a demon that eats boys who treat her like sexy trash. That's it. That's the answer. That's why it's a women empowerment film. But all jokes aside, ultimately, that really is what this film is about. As I mentioned earlier with the true crime story, while this movie is a fun guilty pleasure now, it does have hints of what happened to Elise in it. And unfortunately, Elise never did get a chance to give those jerks what they deserved. To this day, Megan and Amanda both talk about um, how they truly believe that this movie was really good and that all it did was get shit on because men couldn't handle seeing a movie where a woman could take back the power, yet alone see two strong females. And I'm willing to bet that they also didn't like the women, like the actresses, being proud of their work either. Between a male-dominating marketing team and misogyny, this film didn't have a fighting chance when it came out. But thankfully, it has become a cult classic with time, and I hope that maybe, just maybe, I have influenced some of you to give it a second chance as well. For those of you listening who have seen and love this film, you know that I love the iconic scene where she says, I am a god. But what I really love about this scene is how nonchalantly she says it, like, that's how confident she is. If I were delivering that line, I would have been like, I am a god. <laughs> but she's just like, I'm a god. And that's what makes it so brilliant. And I think that is why I think Megan was so perfect for this role, because she's so used to being that sexy girl in the room that it's like boring to her. I'm a god. Megan's sexy and she's weird and she's fed up of being sexualized. And that's exactly who Jennifer is. And I just feel like it came through perfectly. This role was her FU moment to society, honestly. Another thing I really want to talk about is Needy's character because she really is an empowering character herself. On one hand, you have a succubus cheerleader luring men in to kill them for only wanting one thing from her. And on the other, you have a nerdy girl who ends up fighting the succubus. And I think what's really important here is how Needy has this queer curiosity about Jennifer, but she also clearly loves her boyfriend. The film doesn't define, quotation, what Needy really is. And I think it's very well fit with the times now as far as how fluid it is or how, see, told you I was going to struggle here, guys, how normal and accepted it is to have fluid gender roles and sexual orientation. 
I'm trying to get it right. I'm trying to learn. I'm growing. And I think that this is why it's really important to talk about this from the film, because these are all things that weren't accepted when it came out. This movie was basically taking a stance saying it doesn't need to be defined or have a label because it doesn't matter. And I think at the heart of it, that's why this movie mattered to a lot of women specifically. It's normal to admire a woman's body. This is super random. But I remember a long time ago, Christina Aguilera said something about how, of course, she's attracted to women because a woman's body is clearly more beautiful to look at than a man's. I don't remember it exactly word for word, but you see what I'm getting at here. This movie made... All of it normal, whether you've experienced sexual feelings you wish you could explore or really serious ones. At least that's how I feel about it and what I took away from the movie. And I can imagine that that's why it spoke to a lot of women. And I think that's another reason why this movie didn't do well. On top of the women empowerment, people weren't ready to see a teenage girl kissing Megan Fox and also in a heterosexual relationship. Wow, I sure do know how to take a guilty pleasure and make it serious, huh? But I think that's what makes this movie so fun. I know I have made it sound super serious, but it's because of these reasons that it's such a damn good, feel-good guilty pleasure for girls because we get to just leave the cares behind and just have fun and not overthink about any of it. We all think Megan Fox is hot. We all want to be a killer cheerleader and we all want love like Needy did. So screw society for trying to make us feel guilty about that. So on that note, it's time for It's Freaking Bats. I'm not even going to pretend like you guys don't already know that I'm giving this movie five freaking bats. I love this movie. Like, it's so underrated. It's sexy. It's fun. And if you're not in it for Megan's body, then you'll probably at least be in it for Adam Brody and Eyeliner. Like... How have I not watched this movie every summer? I don't know, but that's my rating. As far as you Ghoulsters go, there was a big mix between threes and fives, and the Ghoulster score actually came out to a four. So that's not bad at all, and I genuinely hope that I have helped every single one of you love this movie a little more because I'm so sure... This is the point where we're going to lose a few listeners because there are going to be people out there who do not want to hear Mandy Spooks talking about women empowerment when they're listening to a Jennifer's Body episode. And that is okay because this space is to have real conversations about why the spooky stuff matters to us so much sometimes. And if I'm being super honest, I think this episode was something I needed to make for myself as well. You know, I've always felt like Mandy Spooks has to be a specific persona for you guys at home, behind the scenes. I'm just a nerdy girl who is so in love and super spoiled. And on here, I'm this well put together spooky role model for you. And there's also another side of me that loves pop culture outside of the spooky stuff. And of course, there is a sexual side of myself that I tend to think should be kept out of the rest of my world. And while I'm sharing... I recently saw the J-Lo halftime documentary, which touched on a lot of things that hit home for me from doing creative work because it's something that matters to people, to being constantly given less opportunities than white creators. But the one that stuck out to me the most was when she talked about how she wanted her halftime show to show all sides of her and that just because she was mama J-Lo didn't mean she couldn't be sexy J-Lo. And honestly, I think that's exactly what I'm trying to do here in this episode, guys. I am a marketing nerd. I am a spoiled wife. I am a bubbly girl who loves Halloween hunting. And I'm a badass production queen because my writing scripts, hello, you're listening, aren't you? And I also have a sexy side. And I think I wanted to tackle this episode to prove to myself 
that I was ready to stop feeling like I can't just be 100% myself all the time. So if you're still listening, please know that I truly appreciate you for accepting all the versions of me and supporting this show because it's truly my favorite space in the world where I can fan ghoul with my favorite people, my ghoulsters, unapologetically, and I can't wait for this journey to keep going. But enough of the mushy stuff. It is the time that I have been waiting for. If you're not binging with us, then you can't sit with us because it's time for Bloody Bingeworthy. If you're joining us for the first time, this segment is at the end of the show so that those who decide to binge Spooky TV with me can hear me fangool over the latest episodes we watched. You can always find what episodes are coming up in the show notes. This week, we binge The Vampire Diaries Season 1, Episodes 12 through 14. According to IMDb, the summaries read, The Mystic Grills Ben comes to Bonnie's aid. Damon and Stefan accompany Elena to a school dance with a 1950s theme. A lark introduces himself to Damon. Stefan and Damon recall the incidents that led to the rift in their relationship. Bonnie's date takes a frightening turn. Elena helps Stefan and Damon race to find a journal that belonged to her ancestor. An old acquaintance, acquaintance returns to town. And Jeremy asks Anna to a party in the woods. Stefan, Damon, and Elena work with Bonnie and Gramps to open the tomb and are shocked by what they discover. Okay, first things first, guys. I nearly squealed when Ben came on the screen because I used to have such a big crush on the actor who plays him, which is Sean Ferris. But to be honest, it was kind of a bummer that he was such a dinkus. And also, maybe I'm the dinkus because I did not see that coming. How did I not immediately get that he was going to end up being a bad guy? And a dinkus bad guy at that. Shame, shame. But let's stay on the Ben subject for a second. I was kind of annoyed by Bonnie because she had a chance to run away from him when they got the hotel door open. But she stayed for Elena. Like, why didn't she just run and get Stefan or Damon so that they could go save Elena? We all we all know nobody's going to hurt Elena because she's leverage. Without her, the Salvatore brothers can't be manipulated. And speaking of manipulating the brothers, I don't know how I feel about this, guys. You can tell that Elena is starting to have feelings for Damon because she doesn't want to lie to him. But I'd be lying if I myself didn't admit that I started to feel bad too because you can tell he really does care about her. I forgot to mention this before, but in the Halloween party episode where she tells him off, I think right after Vicky dies, you could tell how hurt he was when he tells her to leave because he doesn't want to lash out, like lash out at her after the way she talked to him. So you can really start to see now that he's starting to care about her and he trusts her. So it was kind of a bummer that she lied to him to help Stefan, but also at the same time, I don't like it, guys. I don't like where this is going. Let's see, what else? Did anyone else panic when Stefan went in? But also, speaking of Damon, caring about Elena, he just freaking abandoned her in the tomb. But I guess that's his way of getting back at her for lying to him. I don't know. Like I said, he's not the best person. He can't claim to care about her and then just literally leave her in a tomb full of vampires. And come on. I'm annoyed with Stefan too because like how did they not realize that the blood Damon splashed out was going to be a problem? I may be blinded by hot vampires like Sean Ferris being a bad guy, but even I knew that blood was sure to be a problem. Okay, and finally, how are we feeling about the fact that Catherine wasn't in the tomb? 
oh, you guys, I just hate her so much. Like she's clearly a selfish witch and I can't believe she's basically the reason all those vampires were caught and why Damon and Stefan are vampires and she still got away. I can't decide if I ever want them to find her or not. And I feel really bad for Damon, but also I really hope that this helps him move on once and for all. And finally, I don't know why, but I just had a feeling Grams was going to pass away as they were getting home. And it's a total bummer. So I wonder if Bonnie will end up getting another mentor. TBC to be continued. <laughs> so just a reminder, you can always check your Ghoulster homework for the week in the show notes to find out which episodes I'll be covering next week. And if you're wondering how you could be one of my lovely co-hosts, like I mentioned in today's episode, you can follow the show on Instagram at not another spooky podcast to participate in polls and questions for upcoming episodes, as well as join our free discord server community where Ghoulsters all around the world connect with each other about how they're keeping the spook alive. And as I mentioned earlier, if you want to unlock access to an exclusive channel, you can subscribe to the podcast for $4.99 at the link in the show notes. But before you go and do that, I wanted to do a little survey. Survey says, how are we feeling about the show, Goldsters? Are you loving it as much as I am? Because I am personally in my own spooky little haven. I remember last year I used to see you guys posting about how much fun you're having and I would wish I wasn't running around like a mad woman creating all this content and this year I can already feel the difference because I'm honing in on only ghoul things you know like the stuff I truly love which are spooky podcasting keeping the spook alive with the master and you my ghoulsters so if you feel the love too I ask you to please Write me a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me. And in return, through the end of August 2022, if you send me a screenshot on Instagram at Not Another Spooky Podcast, I will send you some Goolster mail. Goolster mail. <laughs> It'll include stickers and a personal note from yours truly. And if you need some more spook in your life, you can, of course, follow my spooky love story on the Ghoulmates YouTube channel and TikTok. Until next time, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye!